Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Hi everyone, it's uh, Roxanne Durhaj of Authentically Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again uh, this week. Uh, today I have a guest that uh, you know has been on once before and her expertise is quite timely. So I thought uh, I would invite her back in. It's Charlie Peck. Hi Charlie, how are you today? Thanks for having me Roxanne, it's good to be here. Awesome. So Charlie uh, has a unique expertise and um, she's a certified trauma educator. And what I thought was, was important and kind of what I'm hearing out and about there in the community and just um, in every publication, every news uh, um, you know, show that I'm hearing is we're talking about a return to school and the impact that it's having on uh, obviously parents, uh, the community and, this, and the concerns that we're all having about the second wave. So Charlie, we're going to just uh, chat about what your thoughts are on things in reference to um, us going back to school. So what are your thoughts about the return to school? I think that there could be uh, no perfect plan. I don't think that anything that was presented could have suited the needs of everybody, of course. So that's really challenging. Um, But I do come into this idea with the lens of a parent. I mean, I have three boys. I have seven, nine, and 17. So I understand the uniqueness of the different age groups there. And I'm a high school teacher as well and a mental health professional. So I'm understanding the, the difficulties people are having with this. I mean, it's truly, um, it's just uncertain and we're uncomfortable with uncertainty. We like, you know, we're human beings. We like to have routine and structure and we perform well and best when we have that. So we don't have that now. So the plan so far for pe- maybe people that don't know, uh, tell us what the plans are for, we're talking uh, basically Ontario at this point, which is where we live. What's the plan so far? And let, then let's talk a little bit about um, your perspective um, as a parent. Let's start there, because I think that's what I'm hearing is there's uh, over dinner tables and just uh, conversations you're hearing in the lines as you're in the grocery stores, people are petrified or having a different point of view and, and the government doesn't care. And, you know, the, what, what are we, what, we're bringing on the second wave and things like that. So let's start, tell us what you know about in your, in the board that you're in or just in Ontario with the plans. Right. And I'm cautious because I'm not representing my board right now. So I do right. want to say that. Um, and I think I know that all of the different school boards throughout Ontario have different plans. So again, nobody's going to be happy um, with, every piece of the plan because everybody's lives are so unique. As a parent, I have two elementary kids and we can opt to send them back five days a week or we can opt to have them at home. And I've decided to send my kids back because I think it's very important to their mental health and their socialization. I'm a seven and a nine-year-old. I mean, they need their friends. They need to learn outside of our home how to show up in the world as citizens. And so I think it's important to have that exposure. Of course, there are safety concerns in our particular area. Our numbers aren't jarring to me. I don't feel a a terrible threat there. 
even though I am following the news, I'm from the States, all my family, uh, extended family is there. So I know that it's a real possibility that our numbers can go up. So you mentioned a second wave, but what I'm hearing is coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 does not have a second wave. It is ongoing. The flu has a, a second wave perhaps because it, it goes away and comes back. It's seasonal. Or I should say in 1918, when we had the Spanish flu, that had a second wave. But coronavirus apparently, and I'm not a medical expert, that um, uh, that's not my expertise. But what I'm understanding is that's consistent. So at this point, it just feels like we need to live with it and consider the risk versus reward. So that's mm -hmm. how I'm showing up to it as a parent. And my schooler, I mean, he wants to go back to school because he wants to be with his friends. And so we're doing a hybrid approach on the high school level. It, it's a little bit challenging, right? So a lot of people are like, well, do I send my kid back and risk the safety? Because there is a, I don't want my kids to get this virus. I don't want that. I don't want to get it. Um, so it's the risk versus reward. And I don't, I, you know, it's so tough. There's no perfect answer. So I understand it. And I think a, a lot of people are saying that the government does not care, right? That's that's kind of because, and that's the fear. So let's talk a little bit about that. And to your point, I, obviously my son's in university and they're mostly online and those types of things. So I'm out of, you know, there's a part of me that's thinking, wow, you know, to grapple with that decision, it's a hard decision to make. And you want to make, like to, to your point, you're looking at obviously academics, um, which we've been, you know, people at home have been doing their best so far. Um, but the other part of it is, is the, the mental well-being of the child. And, and to your point, you know, your children are seven and nine and you have a teenager. There's, there's such needs that as a parent you can address and assist them with, but the element of connection and learning and, and the things that they need to learn from their peers, that's something us as parents can't teach them. They need to be able to experience it out there with their kind of their bonds. Right. And Part of this, I mean, I get negative too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I go back and forth and, and I have negative thought this too, but as a mental health professional, what I always go back to is, look, this is a great time for us teachers and us adults to show up uh, as leaders for our kids and show them resiliency. This is a great opportunity for resiliency for our kids. Now, there are safety concerns. I mean, health is number one, but part of health is mental health. Someday, we will not separate the two. Mm -hmm. And so mental health, I mean, even with isolation, as we've seen it in our own children, the other piece to that is the conflict within the home. Being among each other in each other's space and, um, you know, there's a lot of difficulties. I get to sit in this room and talk to you, but not everybody has the luxury of having their own space that way or getting away from their young children. I can tell you that as a teacher, having to jump onto a hybrid approach very quickly and learn that was difficult helpful and not everybody gets to have that support so the the isolation piece is tough and the unique experiences is what we've got to consider now you said something about how people are saying the government doesn't care i disagree with that i think everybody who is in a position of power has a really difficult job right now and whether whatever your politics are i do think they are genuinely trying to do the best they can with the information they have much like parents are doing you know, we're, we're just trying to do the best we can with what we have in front of us. So, you know, I, that's not a political stance for me. I really just think that they're trying to do the best they can. And we have so many uncertainties. So, yeah, it's hard. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the importance of us looking at the overhaul structure of things, right? Obviously, physically, we all have to keep physically 
um, safe and, and do take all those steps. Absolutely. But the, the perspective that you and I come from uh, with our backgrounds is that mental health is equally as important as physical health. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I've talked a, a lot about that through my, you know, my uh, podcast with different guests is that we, we focus so much on, um, you know, physical health, which in this case we need to with COVID without a doubt, but the mental health and uh, perspective is equally as important because we're seeing um, in our, I know with my coaching and my practicing and people returning to work, there's so many people that are suffering with anxiety uh, about going back to work and dealing with the public. So we're seeing our numbers um, go through the roof. So let's talk a little bit about how we need to look at health overall and I think the, the part that we're remiss in is we're not including the mental health as much. I know, I know we know we need to, but I, I don't know that it's been, been done very well. Yeah, I know that there are boards that have a, did have initiatives, for example, a trauma-informed training approach, which every single structure of society now with the information we have, the evidence-based data we have on the lens is vital. It's vital to a successful future, especially when you work with kids. But we know, I mean, as mental health professionals, we do, we do know that that shows up everywhere, even with teenagers. So if, if trauma wasn't dealt with in the past, then it's showing up in different ways. And so everybody needs to have that lens. I think we keep talking about the kids and I'm in the business of kids here. I love kids. I want the best for kids. But mental health has to start with teachers and staff administrators, uh, anybody that's going back who's putting themselves in jeopardy. I mean, we heard about this for healthcare workers and then that kind of pushed aside because they, they had to show up and they had to be challenging. But I think the communication piece is huge and the validation of there's a lot of teachers going back, by the way, who have kids who have to scramble and who have to think of, oh my goodness, I have to go back to a classroom where there's going to be 30 kids, there's no way to distance myself and they don't have to wear masks because there's no way you're going to, you're going to be able to mitigate that with little kids, of course. So I think that there's some information in the news right now. I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, throwing their hands up, like, what am I supposed to do with that? So I think mm -hmm. we need to address the mental health concerns of teachers and, and parents, by the way, too. It's affecting everybody in a lot of different ways. And I think to your point, right, if we don't um, educate the people in power, your administrators, all the way to your teachers, your, your EAs, um, everybody in, in the system, um, what we're doing is we're doing a disservice to the children because kids are going to be kids. They need guidance. They need to be taught in a certain way. And if you're able to come from a frame where you're understanding um, how this may be affecting the children, because if parents aren't, for instance, coping well, at home about uh, re returning to school, what are they, how are they impacting their children is my big question. Because if they're not settled and aware uh, about their reaction in reference to what they're perceiving this return to school as, they're gonna put those onto their children. And then that in turn, how does that impact mental health? That's I think a very, very important thing. Right. So what, so what let's jump into, uh, what can people do? Because I think that's important uh, from a parenting perspective. And also, if you're uh, um, in the school system or um, affiliated with the school system, what are some things that people can, some things that they can do to kind of prep themselves to get ready 
to return to school? What are some things that you would suggest, Charlie? Well, the good news is, is we had to go through this already in the spring. I mean, people had to be thrown into a situation they were not ready for anyway. So we have a little bit of understanding that if you're going to stay at home, if you're going to make that choice, and that's up to you, at least there's, they're giving us up opportunity there. So there's no ramifications for deciding I'm keeping my kid home. Then understand the environment, think about what didn't go well for your family and what did. And then of course, set up an environment that you can have your own space to work within if you're going to work from home, if that works. The other thing I would say is the communication piece with whoever your employer is, is huge. I mean, there's adjustments that everybody has to make. And if your employer can make that, it's really important that you can situate your family well so that everybody's feeling okay about what's going on. I mean, the worst thing you can do is send your kid to school every day and worry about that and not feel okay. And I think schools are trying to do a really great job with the physical uh, aspects of it. And their hands are tied too, by the way. I mean, they're getting information from, you know, higher ups of what they have to do. So I think everyone's intention is good. I think we have to believe in that and we have to stay connected. So the check-ins with your employees, the check-ins with parents, check-ins with like kids and students and grace. I think we have to just give people grace and understand that your situation is not theirs. So, you know, everybody's going to have a different situation and think about what you need and communicate that need and, and do regular check-ins and self-care. And, you know, another thing I, I think of, and that makes so much sense, is to not judge. If one parent is, is making a decision that's different from yours, try to understand and not, not, you know, go to a space where you're judging because, you know, each person, you don't know how, what people are dealing with. You don't know what's in their family. You don't know what's happening with their, like to your point, how they're having to work from home. You don't know, um, you know, who's immune compromised in their system. It may not be something that you're aware of. So I think it's like to your point, grace is a, a really good word because, you know, I may have a child, um, you know, that's not returning to school and that's my child's friend, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, we're getting together, and maybe the parents are going to, you know, do social distance get-togethers and stuff like that. So I would say just try to respect other people's choices and know that they're making the best decisions for their families as well. Absolutely, I love that because the judgment piece is important for the survival of our future, really. Um, but I also want to say too. When you're looking at your friends or your kids or, or students, if you're an educator, you have to notice any shifts in patterns. And that's why we use a trauma lens. So paying attention and getting curious about what's going on or what's happening with that child and, and not being too judgmental about the child. I mean, it's important there too. We, I mean, kids, this is new for kids too. And we have to be careful about the language we're using and the judgment or the way we're, we're framing things for them because we're teaching them. I mean, this is a, a major, a major issue, a major social issue, a, a pandemic for crying out loud. The way we're handling it is not going to be perfect, but we do have to be cautious about how we sh we're showing up for them and how we're framing it for them. It's a great opportunity again for resilience, but for lessons to help them learn how to get through tough challenges in life. So looking for like going back to their behavior patterns, noticing any shifts in, in their behaviors, their, their moods, if they were attending before and they're not attending or if they're motivated or not. I mean, you know your kid and teachers are going to have a little bit more challenge to get to know their students, especially with this hybrid approach in the high school level because they're only back 50% of the time in some of the boards. 
we're going to have to just be more aware, but also adjust our expectations. I mean, that doesn't mean we just let people avoid because we know, again, that's not good therapeutically. That's not the best way to help people learn and grow and move forward. But noticing and just validating people's situations without that judgment is so important. Really, really good information. Let's, let's talk a little bit and let's talk about uh, principles and vice principles and what they can do, right? So we're talking about what the teachers need to do and how they, because of course the teachers have to, are the ones that are there front line and, and kind of there with the kids all the time. And they're interfacing with mostly with the parents. But what is it that principals in, at that level can do to assist or prep their teachers to come back? What kind of things, you know, would be helpful? Communication is key. I mean, you... If, if anyone knows a teacher, they need to plan. They need to look ahead. There are a lot of reasons for that. And if we have information, then we're able to move on. Now, sometimes you don't have information to share, but just saying that sometimes makes you feel valued and saying, look, I understand that you might be concerned about this and I'm working on it for you. That's really big. The check-ins are big too about, hey, how are you doing with this? And mm -hmm. not throwing a bunch of stuff on because teachers take on so much throughout the school year. I don't know how much um, like the general public appreciates that. And I think this is a time where they just need to let them just learn how to be online teachers because not only are we going into a, a whole nother system of, of like the scheduling, we're now becoming hybrid teachers and nobody's trained us mm -hmm. for that. Like that is not within our, our expectation of our, our job. Now, having said that, we are teachers and that means we need to be flexible and leaders in our classrooms for our kids. So this is a great time for administrators to look at their staff and use their strengths and seek those teachers out who can benefit the rest of the school and say, look, you would be great at doing this would you mind or what are your thoughts? Asking teachers what their thoughts are is huge for an administrator to do. It shows that you value what they bring to the school. And by the way, many times the staff has been there way longer than administrators. So if they could at least bring them in to the thought process, that not even maybe the decision-making, but valuing their judgment on what would be best for their school environment, it's crucial. It's really crucial to show that you trust them and you value them. So one last thing I, I think is important, uh, again, going back to the parents and mental health and prepping people. So we have about, what, two and a half weeks or so before we go back. It's approximate. What, are, what can people start to do now for their kids that are going back? What, what kind, of, kind of small little things that they can start to do for the little ones and kind, you know, and, um, you know, the, the teenagers, what kind of, because oftentimes we forget our teenagers, right? Because we think they're going to be all good, but they, they need, need us equally as much. And, um, you know, and what is it that we can do for the kids that are staying home that may not be in agreement with what their parents are choosing? So that, I know that's a Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It depends on your kid. I mean, yeah, we're sending uh, some 13 year olds and 14, 15, six, all these kids are going to be home alone 50% of the time. And if you think they're going to wake up or eight at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and be motivated to do school on their own, uh, you don't know teenagers very well. And of course we all have teenagers who will do those things and who are very independent, but we know that developmentally they don't have it that, capacity to necessarily do that generally. Some do, 
Some are shining stars and can do that. And even if they, they don't do that, that doesn't mean they're bad kids. It just means they're not adults yet. And so I do worry about the 50% of the time there for that reason. And by the way, that's also an opportunity for some kids who are already further isolated or to seek out, uh, you know, taking behavior because they are so alone a lot of the time. So that to me, that makes me a little nervous. So what parents can do is you're just going to have to shift your, um, the way that you're in your household. I mean, again, if you can work that out to be home, even just having a presence, kind of like always at school, we see less bullying in the classrooms, having a present, having a presence or calling, but they're worried too. They're, I, 99% of the time, these kids really want to strive to do a great job. They want to be the best they can. They for you. I think we do a disservice for teenagers say that there's so many negative things about them because there's so much to consider. So just the expectation and being able to roll with some of the punches is going to be so crucial to us feeling okay about this going back. Awesome. So with yourself, do you have any fears about going back? What, 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 what are you thinking as a teacher I mean, obviously, and you have a full house load, um, you know, of things to consider as you prep. What, what kind of things are on your mind about going back? My fear, um, so I feel okay about that because I trust that the schools are going to do everything they possibly can. I have a tremendous fear about that. My fear is that we're going to go at some point because I love those kids. I want to be there. I want to interact with them. I know they need us teachers as much as we need them. And my biggest fear is going back completely online and not being able to engage with them. And don't forget, some kids are going back to very undesirable households and mm-hmm. very high conflict households. So school, believe it or not, is an escape for a lot of these kids. And when we develop those relationships, we give them a chance. Even one adult can be, one caring adult can make a huge difference in a kid's life who has tons of adversity. So that is my biggest fear, to be very honest. Well, Charlie, you know, this has been uh, so helpful. I'm sure a lot of parents listening and also other teachers or principals will gain something from it. If people are wanting to reach out and, um, you know, connect with you prior to this, what, what, where can they reach you? So right now I have a podcast. So if you'd like to listen to, I have some of these episodes that you'd like to hear more about it. It's Advancing Humanity. Find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. If people want to reach out to me directly and see more about what I'm trying to do to educate schools, I have a website called humanityspeaker.com and there's a contact page. You can just reach out there. Okay. Thank you. Well, you stay safe and um, best of luck to you and the kids and the entire family. And I'm sure we'll connect soon. So for everyone listening, if uh, you're needing anything related to mental health and wellness around authentic leadership, please reach out to me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit RoxanneDurhodge.com blueprint. We'll see you next time. Unauthentic Living with Roxanne.